Hello there and welcome to the Weekend Podcast. Oliver Callan here after a short bank holiday week on the show with a mixture of very serious matters and the crack across these early days of February. There was a huge reaction to our special programme on drugs in Irish life and how that problem is now everywhere. But that's not where we'll start. No, we'll ease you into it. Don't worry because the tonic that is Wexford businesswoman Maura Rath. She came into studio to tell us about her stint on the latest series of The Apprentice on BBC One. She's in the 15 remaining contestants hoping for Alan Sugar's investment of a quarter of a million pounds pounds in their business. We don't know how far she gets in the series, but she's a standout candidate as well as being the only Irish person on the show. She's a very cheerful character, far removed from the backstabbing sword that often populate this show, but surrounded by English people, she did miss having a fellow Irish person, you know, to share the look with when someone else was being a bit of a dose. So have a listen to our chat, and we got lots of messages from our clients too, who use your business. That's Yoga with Maura in Dunleary, and her sunrise stretching sessions before the sea in Dublin. Now, after that, we have the chat about drugs. Robbie Lawler, he was on with us chatting about another issue, that's the measles outbreak and the importance of getting children and babies vaccinated because of his measles infection when he was just 18 months old. But at the end of that, Robbie just, he had people kind of sit up and notice because he also told us about the free and easy way that his friends indulge in drugs at weekends and at parties and how they consider it kind of safe and fun. That was quickly debunked in our chat with Dr Chris Luke, who is very concerned about the levels of cocaine in particular being taken in Ireland and how those users are oblivious in their 20s to the damage that they're doing to their bodies that eventually will catch up on them. Luke Lachlan came in in that chat as well. He was on the phone telling us a story about himself. He's he's a Westmeath County footballer. He's only 28 now, but coming up already on three years sober. This shows you how young people are being affected by this. Cocaine was his problem and he has lost weekends, months of his life really, shamed himself as he told us, but he got help. He's now in recovery for good and his description of how available the drug is and was back then in Mullingar and how he took it to keep this obsession going, to escape himself in reality. It was very illustrative of the issue. So off that, we had a moving email from a mother whose young teenage son fell into cannabis use. And in just a few months, his life transformed from he was loving life, just being a nice lad into his music and all of that, to a kind of a shattered pile of anxiety who rarely leaves his room. They are putting his life back together thanks to mental health services, but it's in the very early stages. And that email moved a lot of people to send in very similar stories. The drug dealing that happens among Irish teenagers and the language of blackmail that they already know and the snitching and threat of that was a real eye-opener for people. And it also, of course, rebutted those who claim that the media conversation about drugs in Ireland at the moment is overblown. Now, don't worry, at the end, we'll give you a lift. Eva Pow has this amazing story about her life growing up as an only child under the tail of her parents' business in Dublin. It's the Asia market on Drury Street and also in Capel Street. And as a Chinese-Irish woman, she tells us how her community will be celebrating the Lunar New Year, that is, this weekend. It is the Year of the Dragon. But never ask anyone of Chinese heritage which sign of the zodiac they are, as I learned to my red cheek shame. And as a child of 1980, I discovered afterwards that I'm a monkey. The year of the monkey, which says it all, really. But anyway, thank you very much for listening. Please do subscribe to the show, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and the RT Radio Player, and so on. Thank you for support. Listen to the Wireless 2, RT Radio 1, after 9am till 10, Monday to Friday. Thanks a million. You're all very welcome back and Maura Ratha who is uh, from Wexford now star of the BBC Apprentice is in studio Welcome Maura Rath Hello Oliver delighted to be here You look very delighted and uh, congratulations <laughs> on surviving last night Oh um, I know I know what a night of cheesecakes <laughs> 15 <laughs> remaining contestants 
Um, it, like you're an Irish yoga teacher. You run your own yoga yeah. business. Yeah, Yoga with Maura. Uh, yes. I run it here uh, around Ireland. I have an online studio. I host retreats. I have podcasts and I'm all over the place. You exude happiness. Why on earth would you go into this uh, very stressful show full of people backstabbing and attacking <laughs> and sneering at each other? This is what I'm asking myself. This is what I was asking myself doing those cheesecakes. I know. Uh, that was the challenge last night, the cheesecake. The we'll come to that. absolute challenge. And you know what? I'm someone that I like to do the most random things, Oliver. I like to throw myself in the deep end. For a yoga teacher, I definitely come from a family that are go-getters. Uh, and oh. people don't probably don't understand the business side of yoga. Um, anyway, I got this idea that I wanted to get an investment. And all of a sudden, I started seeing apprentice ads. So I applied didn't tell a soul, not even my husband. Really? And um, then a month later, one night in bed, I was like, um, I'm going to be on The Apprentice. And he was like, what? This is before I even done the interviews. I just got a feeling. Did you? Okay. Yeah, you're, so I was mad. <laughs> you're just one of those people who kind of go, this is a decision I've made. This bit of a manifester, bit of a manifester. Oh, and yeah. I get the feels and I got the feels I was going to be on. I would go with it. yoga. I could see that. That goes yeah. hand in hand with yoga. <laughs> uh, but the yoga business was successful anyway. It is, so that's yeah. That's kind yeah. of wondering. That's obviously boost profile and all of that sort of thing, is that? Yeah, no, it's been great. It's been, you know, a dream come true being able to become like a household name in Ireland with my online studio. But I have big plans. I want to take yoga more outside of Ireland um, okay. and into the UK. So I said, this is a little opportunity that could help with that. So that's why I applied and put myself through this mental time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you want to take it outside Ireland. Yeah, that's the goal. So the goal is the investment, uh, break it into the UK, maybe be the Joe Wicks of yoga, uh, be, be a household That's a good name. way of selling it. Yeah, and uh, get around. I am around the world, but usually just it's a couple of Irish people that tune in. So so, so explain that to your people tuning in, because this is something you do every morning. Yes. This so I part have, of the business. Yeah, I have a 7am club, yeah. uh, an online yoga studio at Yoga Moradai. And you basically can do yoga with me every day. I'm on live every day. So you you feel nice. really part of a community and my whole ethos is making yoga simple 30 minutes to feel good good old stretch and to feel yourself uh, it's a, it's a, it's probably the only thing that has survived from the lockdown isn't yeah, it yeah <laughs> the online yoga that's it is it because it's you think it's simple it's because people feel good in their body and i okay. feel like for me it's like your toolkit to help you feel reset so in the apprentice <laughs> this was taken from me. So I probably realised how even how more powerful it was coming back out of it yeah. um, and missing it. <laughs> missing the yoga. You're missing the because yoga. Because you couldn't do any of it while you were... Yeah, so we were, we were woken up at 4am. That's real. Real woken up at 4am. And, and they're all living together. I'd forgotten. Yeah. I'd yeah. forgotten a lot of it. Have you been following The Apprentice, the show, over the last couple of years? No, Oliver, I haven't. <laughs> Very honest. <laughs> so uh, uh, to be honest, like I knew what the show was, you know, I, I, now and again, I dabble in watching a, an episode here and there. And then last year I, I did start watching it a little bit and I was like, I could do that. That's easy. <laughs> That's where it I starts. I could do that. That's what I said. Just want to remind people, this was this will bring everyone right back to if they haven't watched it in recent times, they might have seen it last night because the figures are huge on this show still. You're fired. You're fired. This is Alan Sugar. What a bloody mess. You're fired. <laughs> it sounds almost old school. Yeah. You know, that it's like, I can't believe this thing is still going. I forgot how good this show is. The the challenges, the stress of the whole thing. Oh, stop. There was smoke coming out my ears. Honestly, those cheesecakes last night. <laughs> yeah. But the whole thing is shot and done. Yeah. How yeah. long are you all living together? You're going to have to wait and watch because if I tell you that, I'm going to tell you okay, too much well, secrets. Maybe the length of the entire production, if the, uh, the person who's won 
how long are they? Twelve all? weeks. Oh yeah. right, okay. Yeah. So yeah. if because you're gearing up to win, you yeah, can't yeah. tell us. It's in real goes. time. It's basically each task is roughly a week. So um it's so bananas. every day you're woken up at 4 a.m. you said? 4 a.m. And I thought that was just a thing for TV. But no, they wake up at 4 a.m. If really you've seen happens. the sleepy heads and us being woke up uh, <laughs> yesterday morning and 4 a.m. rush out 20 minutes to get ready, yeah. which is mad. And um, then straight into your challenge. You put into those blacked out buses. Off you go. Alan Sugar tells you what you're doing for the day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, the cheesecake. So, so tell us the cheesecake idea. Yes, last night. So basically, uh, team girls. So it's girls versus boys. Um, mm. And the challenge was basically a profit task. Okay, so we had to make a load of mini cheesecakes. We had to sell them uh, to real people um, in a market. And the goal was just to win the boys. Yeah. Um, and you're making the cheesecakes and everything. We had to make the cheesecakes from yeah. scratch, um, which was... To be honest, I actually can make cheesecakes and I slightly mentioned that just, <laughs> but I also didn't want to be the person that was like, I'm not going for project manager on this one. The project I, manager who also has to suggest who should be fired yeah. at the end. Uh, this is a clip of you last night uh, telling everyone you didn't want to be project manager. I feared for you at this point. <laughs> I know. So is there anybody who would like to put themselves forward for project manager? I'm happy to manage the kitchen side of things, but... I'm okay not being a project manager, but I, if, if no one else is stepping up, I'm happy to manage or be in the kitchen for this because I have made cheesecakes. Oh, there's kind of micro panicking. I was like, <laughs> what have I said? Why have I, why have I told them I can make cheesecakes? There's a big difference in making cheesecakes for like 250 cheesecakes yeah. to one for your family. Um, but I, no one was saying anything about the kitchen. And after last, the week before, I don't know if you've seen the week before when the girls swi- switched the yeah. breadcrumbs on the fish cakes <laughs> and the crumble. I was like, listen, I need to get in there. But that's what happens. Your kind of brain goes to mush. Absolute mush. In, in um, the panic of it. Yeah, but it didn't People... go to mush yesterday for me now. I was just in a mi- you, on a mission. You were really good. I mean, I because like, you're always worried for the Irish person because we feel like we know their whole background and everything and you're being pushed into the big bad world of the English. And like... I'm of an age where I know loads of people who went to England to try and make it there and they always feel like the English don't really let you in. Yeah, yeah. Did you have that kind of experience <laughs> with your fellow Listen, English contestants? Do you know what? I was, I have to say now. Fellow I, contestants who happen to be English. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, like, I definitely was, I was the, obviously the only Irish person and you would miss one other Paddy Bear with you. You know yourself, when we would just look at each other and smirk. Yes, you and missed laugh the look. And, and like, we'd have the crack over things that maybe English people might not have as quick. Sorry to all the English people that are listening and watching. Um, but I definitely did miss the Irish banter. But you know what? They're a great bunch and um, it's been a wild ride. But there's been many times while I was there, even during that Cheesecake Factory, I was like, I've left my calm life. I have a really calm life teaching yoga, doing what I do. I know. Is this worth it? What am I doing? <laughs> um, so that's definitely been going through my mind. <laughs> Is that OK now? In your yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well done, by the way, on not being a dose in the yeah. show oh thanks <laughs> because it is it kind of sets you up to to be a dose in yeah, a way doesn't it's it because you have to be kind of mean I just feel I don't know I feel like I don't know if it's another Irish thing like we don't like tooting our own horn like they were you know like <laughs> like we work hard put our head down we're like ah we're grand you know when you're successful it's something you're like ah geez stop it's grand it's yeah. grand um, but I feel the like the boys are killing each other last night oh stop savage you're... wasn't it oh it was horrific but I think if there was an Irish fella there they'd be kind of going I'm really sorry now, but this fella here is useless. So there might be just, you know, I think we could still do it, but there would just be an apology. 
before, during and after. Yeah, yeah. We make a little sandwich, a positive sandwich. <laughs> yeah. So we're kind on yeah. top, a little Sorry, bit of no. push in the middle he and then kind it. of I'm like, I tried to, you know, on Felucia last night, I tried to be like, nobody'd help me in the kitchen. And then it just all came out wrong. I was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Especially when the mats happen and there, that's where I went. Is, is now, is she has she left yoga? Is this the end? Because someone said there's a hundred grams in a kilo and you nearly had a hernia. I was like, what is happening? Because obviously they're not in a metric system. And I was like, guys, okay. there is a thousand grams in a kg. And I'm so glad I pushed that because... And no one can see behind the scenes. There was a good 20 minutes of that Are discussion happening. And I had, that's why I looked so fired up because I was like, this is bananas. We're literally going to make three cheesecakes if we don't get these measurements right. <laughs> oh my God. It was very stressful. Uh, very stressful. Um, I, I have to mention all the fellas because they seem to just blend into what I couldn't tell them apart. Every single one of the men on the, on the show has a beard. I know. And what is with those beard Beard hairnets. I the haven't seen. Yeah. I can, it's mad, so isn't it? In the it? kitchen, they have to wear a, a mesh on their face because obviously there's hair in the beard, which might fall into the cheesecake. Yeah, so, but because yeah. all of them have beards, it was very odd. That's it was it. kind of triggering. It's pandemicy. Oh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little bit. I mean, it's very strange. What do you make of Alan Sugar then? The Alan Boston Sugar show? is exactly what you see on TV. Right. Yeah, yeah. He is. Uh, you know, he's just straightforward. Really scary <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the point, um, but you know what? He's great. You know, he, he there's no yeah. messing around, and he sees true people. And yeah, every time I don't I don't know what every time I went to that boardroom, um, even last night, your heart is in your chest because you've got no idea how the other team went. We're oh, not we're yeah, not able okay. to talk about what we made. We're mm-hmm. completely separated, so I didn't know where they ch- selling cheesecakes for you know. £10 each while we were selling them for seven. And there was quite a gap. Yeah, but there was a lot of stuff not shown last night. Like I was, I don't know if I've manifested this, but I was running around in a mango costume. Oh, right. And selling really cheese. really missed that one. <laughs> selling, and they were calling me Mango Mora. And I was running up and down selling cheesecakes like goodio. <laughs> um, and that didn't get shown. But that's all right. That's all right. I wasn't too sad about that. Well, this could be, you know, yoga with Mora, mangoes with Mora. Yeah, maybe there's something in that. There's a whole spin-off. Um, so it... it the, Throwing people under the bus, that is a skill that you have to create, isn't it? I now, know. Fortunately, last night you didn't, you kind of veered in the in the direction. Didn't I you? wouldn't throw anyone under the bus, right? You're but a businesswoman. I'm a, but I'm a businesswoman and I think you can do business honestly. Okay. I think if you work hard, right, and you speak your truth and you stand up for what you think is right, mm-hmm. All be well. And that's been my motto from day one. I've never, you know, shafted someone and this whole thing about, you know, throwing people under. I think if you're just yourself and you do the work, you don't need to do that. Yeah, politics is not for you. Nah, definitely not. More zen. Before, <laughs> prefer the breeding meditation. <laughs> 51551 is the text. I uh, love doing more as kind yoga in my pyjamas straight from the bed. That's from Zita who even gives her age, 63. Yeah, so oh, Zita is amazing. I actually started teaching Zita. I remember Zita in the um, Dublin City Council. Yeah. Oh, right. There you, you go. Know now your, she's online at me. Your customer is extremely well. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. personal touch. That's it. Tell us a little bit about your background, more. So you're from Wexford. Wexford woman, born okay. and bred. Um, so grew up in a house, five brothers, mum and dad, a very hard-working house. Oh, you right, know? so all, you're the only girl? Only girl, right Six in the middle. Kids, five boys. Yeah, most of us have our own businesses. And, um, you know, we just always had a bit of a go. But I actually left Ireland in 2011, headed off travelling. And that's where I found yoga in New Zealand. So I was in New Zealand for... Six plus years. Very good, yeah. 
and then left a corporate job out there in insurance and haven't looked back. You worked in insurance yep, over there. Very that, that would have helped the apprentice thing because going, oh, she has a corporate background. A little bit, a little bit. But yeah. they would have liked the yoga thing. They did fact, like did the yoga thing. The I business. don't know why. Um, <laughs> do you feel, because um, I'm sure you have friends who didn't grow up in an almost all male house, just yourself yep. and the ma'am. Uh, does that change your personality, how, your outlook in life? I think it gives me good, um, you know, talking about energies. I've got a bit of masculine energy from that. Yeah. And maybe that's what's given me the push for something like The Apprentice, you know, to be able to. It's given me okay. fire in my belly, giving me a lot of push. So, yeah, probably, probably yeah. a little bit. We have someone on the show from an old boy's house who kind of maintains, I think, that they're less backstabbing. Uh, women that come from an all-male house. Oh, that I is like a theory. that. I'm yeah. Not, yeah, totally. Um, that must be the reason. My brothers will take credit for that. We're just straight up. We'll say what we feel in the moment. Are you an annoying family of successful go-getter people? Oh, we're not annoying. We're cool. We're cool. <laughs> you see, that's not, everything, gets, everything gets turned into a good thing. Um, wellness seems to be a bit of a theme as well in The Apprentice. That's helping, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a, a dentist, a pharmacist, um, you know, a bit of a wellness theme, but I'm the only yoga in, yogi in it. And I definitely taught a few yoga classes in the house, which was great. Brought a bit of Zen to everyone. Okay, and that was gosh. really my kind of role in place. And the boys, are they in a separate building or is it just no, different? No, they're rooms? upstairs. Okay. So there's two boys' bedrooms, two girls' bedrooms. So you're Two in, girls' bed for yeah. quite a lot of... There's four in a room, four in one room, five in another room. Mother of God, at this stage in, in, in a person's life. I'll stop and in a single bed, we're all, we're all very cosy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not just the yoga you're missing, you're missing real life. It's a kind of bizarre sort of um, a student sort of lifestyle they're creating there. Yeah, it's, it's the mad. And people don't realise, like, we don't have any phones. We don't have any sense of time. Of course, so people yeah. are probably like, why didn't they just get the calculator out last night? You know, Sense. <laughs> she, you know, to find out how much the measurements were, but we didn't have anything like that. And um, yeah, no, no contact at home either. Did that kind of balance out then? Because it's like a, you know, you don't have the yoga, but at least you've no phone stressing you out for the day. Well, because you're stressed out of your mind anyway. Of the, yeah. Because <laughs> of the show. Uh, well, to be honest, you know what? The, the phone thing at the start, the first day or two, I think we were all kind of looking for your phone, you know, randomly looking for it. Then after right. a couple of days, we had to have real conversations oh God, with each other. For the phantom phone. Yeah, you're like, I was That's reaching for my pocket, but no, no yeah. phone. But I have to say, I didn't miss it. It was nice to have a good break, digital detox. My leg even buzzes right now and it's like I don't have the phone in my pocket. Yeah, you just feel it. That's unnerving. Yeah, It must be very hard to keep it under wraps then because you can't tell us what happens. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I've been living with this big secret, big, big secret. I'm kind of used to the secret. (laughs) You know, my best friends don't know what happened because I just want people to enjoy it and um, see, you know, like you could be sitting opposite Lord Sugar's next business partner. I know. Yeah. I know. You have to call them Lord Sugar, do you? I don't know. So, uh, maybe well, Alan. English, I think yeah. Keep them happy. I, I think, yeah, I, I think Keep when I'm in it, I have there. to. But when I'm home here, it's Alan. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah we don't debate this. I really wish you the best of luck. Um, so we can't ask you who's going to win, who do you think should win. I mean, the lad last night, he looked like he was gone anyway. He was trying to sell chocolate to people who like fruit and veg. Yeah, that's it. But you know what? I mean, if Paul ever you was... needed an Irish eye roll, do you know, it was like... That's it. But anyway, say your nice thing about Paul. Paul, you know what? He was great energy and great, great, um, great crack in the house. So it's cool. all, you know, it's so funny when you have a good energy, someone like that. Um, I had a soft spot for him. Um, but you're saying 
obviously you want the Irish person to win Oliver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, obviously. Yeah, but obviously. you're also the standout person, not just because you're Irish, but because, you know, you you weren't a dose. Oh, yeah, great. That's, that's, that's my thing. <laughs> Celebrating not and being a dose. we can say that because they won't have a clue what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, he's Paul has great energy, but you mean Egypt. So we we know the code. Yeah. But don't don't let the English know. It's, that's it's all grand. good. Don't be giving away our <laughs> secrets. <laughs> Maura Rath, um, you're Rath by name, but certainly not by nature. Unless no. uh, other things unfurl as we go. Uh, the best of luck. Yoga with Mora. Yoga with Mora. You can find me online. Online and you can sign up to do your... But you're also doing it in person as well. Yeah, I do online yoga studios. I do online yoga studio and I have yoga retreats. And I do sunrise yoga events once a month. You should come to the next one. Lovely. It's in Deliri, I, I'm going to consider it for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Callan's Kick Studio is, is in the environs. You know, when I get out of here and do that. Uh, so you're, the business is in Dublin, but you're from Wexford. That's it, and yeah. the rest was online. What's your online thing? Yoga with Mora. Keeping it simple. There's no dot I. Uh, die. Yes, yoga more die. Get it. Get the plug right. <laughs> yoga more. with more die. <laughs> You're so good at media. Yeah. Uh, Maura, thanks a million for coming into us and the best of luck. Thank uh, you for having me. Maura knows, but uh, we'll find out what happens to future Maura. That's as well. it. And she might come back and uh, get us to do a few stretches. I'd love did. to do that now. I'd love to. <laughs> not very, not very bendy uh, in some ways. Anyway, five one five five one. God, it is Friday after all. Email oliver at rte.ie Now, welcome back. So have we normalised drug use? What exactly is it doing to the mind and the body to discuss? We're joined from the Cork studio by Dr Chris Luke. He's a former consultant in emergency medicine. He's also a columnist with the Irish Medical Times. Good morning, Dr Chris Luke. Good morning, Oliver. And thanks a million for joining us. Um, My pleasure. Uh, so, uh, cocaine, I mean, we're huge consumers of cocaine in Ireland. Do we know how, how, much, how much cocaine we're, we're using or to the extent of it? Well, we have only indirect metrics, I suppose, Oliver. I mean, no. we know that there were over 300 tonnes of very pure cocaine uh, seized in, in, throughout the EU uh, you know, the last year or two. We know that two tonnes of cocaine were famously seized uh, last year uh, off the coast uh, of this country. And it is a rule of thumb that only 10% uh, of uh, the actual amount of drug in a, in a country is seized. So you have to work backwards from that. And basically, you know, there's, there are vast amounts of cocaine coming in through our ports and our airports uh, and, of course, uh, secretly into our various coves and, and, and across the border from the north to the south and vice versa. So there, there's an awful lot of it is, is, is I think is the, is the main idea. Yeah. Uh, so cocaine, I mean people have seen it on film and television. It's, it's a white powder. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's cut up with something else, so it's a pure pure cocaine is cut with something else. Isn't that the idea? It's kind of diluted. With no, no. I mean, a pure cocaine is just pure cocaine. It's uh, you're, you're thinking, I suppose, of adulterants, uh, adulteration with mm-hmm. uh, you know other drugs, everything from dog worming uh, powders through to uh, anaesthetic, uh, uh, other anaesthetic agents uh, to paracetamol. You, you know, chalk. You you name it. Anything that will resemble a white powder can be put into the white powder. And if if the adulterant also gives you a sort of numb feeling in your tongue uh, or some other kind of buzz it'll be put in to, to bulk up the, uh, the, the powder that you're getting as, as a line or, or, or more but 
I suppose, uh, from my point of view, the bottom line is that co- coca uh, it comes from the coca leaf uh, on the, the slopes of the Andes in S- South America and yeah. it's been used for thousands of years by the, by the Indians. And it, it's basically, um, it, it's a, a, a remarkable uh, agent insofar as when, it's, when the leaf is chewed or, you, or you, you make a tea out of it, that it confers a sort of tolerance of the pain uh, and the, the lack of oxygen, the discomfort, and often the hunger that is perennial in those parts of the world where you know it's it's very hard to grow grow crops and and so on so yeah. it was that that those qualities also it also gives an energy to, to people when they when they chew or drink the the tea and it was that quality that the Spaniards identified when they arrived as the conquistadores several hundred years ago you know long story short about 200 years later european chemists managed to turn the the cocaine hydrochloride the key element in the coca leaf into powder and that's of course when all the, the problem began it was shipped to Europe in the mid 19th century it was even blessed by the Pope uh, really? Marani uh, and that's of course uh, along with Sigmund Freud that was the, they were the two great drivers of the use of cocaine in high society We can blame the Pope for, we can blame the Vatican for something else as well uh, so the long and the short of it you take a, a line of cocaine it's snorted what, what happens to the body? Well, within uh, about five minutes or so, uh, people get, uh, most people get a sense of being hugely energised, a uh, surge in self-esteem and, and, and confidence, and, and a gradual onset of, of really extreme pleasure uh, or euphoria, as Robbie alluded to. And the number one reason that people take cocaine, or any other drug, of course, is for the pleasure. Uh, and the effect of one snorted line may last up to 30 minutes, really. 30 minutes. And then how long before you might feel the, 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 the bad effects? Well, it sort of depends on your tolerance or your, your, your habit, how often you've used it. Uh, but, but very often the first unpleasant uh, problem that people experience is a, is a, is a, is a growing sense of paranoia. You know, the classic thing is uh, the user's in a pub or a club or a crowded, other crowded place and they start saying, why is that guy over there staring at me? Yeah. Uh, and that can often be amplified by the, the, the really rapid heart rate that, that they can feel in their, in their chest. Uh, the paranoia sometimes will turn to panic, uh, particularly in novices. Uh, and then, of course, cocaine often is associated with other symptoms like chest pain and breathlessness and sweating and headache and, and, and a weird feeling that the skin is crawling with insects. So they also add to the paranoia uh, and the, the, the user can become really, really very distressed. Uh, could someone be just having the good effects of cocaine if they're using it only seldom? I think that's maybe what Robbie's alluding to when people talk about. Oh, oh without a fun. doubt, and that's yeah. why that's why uh, that's the number one reason why it's so popular. Because you know, uh, probably up to eighty percent of the time, in, in occasional users, there isn't anything more than perhaps tiredness or a little bit of paranoia sometimes, uh, apart from the exhaustion afterwards. Uh, but in up to twenty percent, you you do get. Uh, a, 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 addictiveness, uh, 10 to 20% of repeat users uh, are said to develop a a dependence or a compulsive pattern of use. Uh, And that means that if they stop taking the cocaine, uh, you know, night after night or week after the week, they, they can develop horrible withdrawal symptoms, uh, which uh, range from mood swings and irritability and cravings for the drugs to nightmares and feelings of uh, absolute exhaustion, which is famously known as the crash. Mm-hmm. They can also get vomiting or convulsions. And, and uh, you know, one of the things we, we don't talk enough about is the, is the very common thoughts of, of suicidality right. uh, in cocaine users. And of course, this is only, you're still talking about if the cocaine is relatively pure. 
Well, I'm talking about uh, uh, people who are uh, compelled to keep using it. I mean, whether it's uh, it's pure or not, uh, you know, the, what, whatever amount there is in the lines of cocaine that are being okay. snorted eventually will accumulate. The, the, you get a cumulative effect. And of course, uh, if you keep taking uh, the cocaine, you start getting a lot of blood vessel damage all over the, the body. Uh, most famously, you get uh, small blood vessel damage in the nose, which is why people's noses collapse. The, the cartilage uh, wall between the two nostrils uh, breaks down because of, of a lack of oxygen and you get noses, you know, holes appearing in the, in the cartilage. That's common because that's, that's the route through which most of the cocaine goes. Occasionally people will inject or, or smoke. That's very unusual in Ireland. Uh, but you'll, you'll get the same uh, uh, blockage and collapse of small blood vessels all over the body, in the heart, the brain uh, and, and other organs. And, and, and that's why you can uh, eventually end up with vascular disease uh, that can strike when you haven't had any cocaine. So in other words, behind the cocaine taking, there's a, all the while, there's a, beneath the surface, there's damage to, to blood vessels all around the body going on. So if you're in your 20s, men and women in 20s using cocaine, they're completely unaware, really, if they're doing it once or twice a month, they don't see themselves as a problem or having a problem, but it's happening. Yeah, and I suppose the other vascular thing that people need to know about, I mean, first of all, you get, uh, you, you get a collapsed nose. I mean, we've seen many celebrities over the years, TV celebrities uh, with, the, with the collapsed hooked nose from the collapsed cocaine. The other, uh, of course, famous vascular complication is uh, erectile dysfunction because obviously, uh, you know, if the blood vessels aren't working, you're not getting, you're, you're not getting uh, an, an erection. Um, but I suppose the thing that I worry most about is what we get, what we call is cocaine agitation delirium. People can become uh, you know, uh, uh, abruptly very delirious. I mean, we, we, many people out in, in our towns and cities will have seen the way uh, a cocaine-using friend or acquaintance or somebody opposite them on a, on a din- in a dinner party table can suddenly morph from being a chatty, witty um, uh, friend or, or, or conversation partner into a, 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 a sort of a raving lunatic, sweating, shouting incoherently uh, and brushing aside all efforts to to, to restrain them by, yeah. by friends and security staff and paramedics. And, and, and that is a very difficult thing to, to deal with because very often that's the, the, the preamble to a, a lethal uh, a stroke or seizure or even heart attack. Right. You remind me of, I think it was Cathy Burke who's the actor and director who was talking about uh, people she knew hooked on cocaine and she says, no one has ever said you know, your man has become a lovely person since they started taking cocaine. It's it's a personality changer, isn't it? Yeah, and I I mean the the, the paradigm uh, for people of my generation was was Al Pacino in Scarface towards the end, where he has his famous uh, "My little friend is is machine gun." He's got mounds of cocaine uh, on the table, and he's uh, he's screaming at the 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 the, the, uh, the guys who are invading his 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 uh, his villa yeah. uh, to come and get him, and he's completely off his head. He's screaming and roaring and sweating, and that that's the sort of case that we get you know, uh, exploding out of ambulances or in police cells or, you know, not uncommonly outside the doors of nightclubs. Yeah. Now, uh, Luke Lachlan, he plays county football for Westmeath. He's on the line now. Luke, uh, good morning to you. Hi, guys. How are things? How are you doing? Thanks a million for taking the time to talk to us because I know oh, you're, right, you're no working problem. full-time over there in the Midlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you confronted your addiction in 2021. Uh, what, what was the yeah. trigger that you had to, de- to decide to enter was a residential um, treatment? Yeah, I suppose I struggled with um, alcohol and cocaine for a long time. But I think it's like everything, it gets progressively worse. I just caught the end of that conversation there about the the cocaine. So, like, when I started, um, 
with Coke first, you know, it was good fun. And yeah. as the older I got, I just heard the paranoia. Like, you know, I just caught that, that you said um, nobody ever liked the way someone changed when they started to cocaine or they turned into a nicer person. Yeah. But, like, I would find, say, even if I was on a night out, maybe during, like, if I was in the nightclub, I might be okay. But I could get back to a house party with some of my friends and I would just turn into an absolute paranoid wreck. Like, I'd have to leave straight away. I think everyone was looking at me. And But then the only the flip side of that is, like, in your head you think, like, Jesus, I definitely need to stop this. But then you're like, I need more. Right. Like, there's a, you know, you think you need more <laughs> to make you feel better. And, you know, like, that's obviously where you can see there, like, when I'm sitting away from that, like, you know you have a problem. But, like, just when you're in the middle of it, you just can't stop Take us back to your early 20s, Luke, because I presume you, you start out, it's drinking only, is it? And that, that's the start? Yeah, no, well, I kind of, I started actually with gambling. Um, right. First, you know, because I was playing a lot of sports and um, I started working full time and I was working in a factory. Uh, so I left school and started an apprenticeship, so I was getting, I would get my wages and I started playing. I remember getting into a casino one time, I was around 16 or uh, 17 and I won big enough that time and I was just hooked from there so then I started yeah. the online gambling roulette so like I could get my wage I think it was on a Thursday back then and it, like I'd be at the machine I'd be working at and I'd be playing roulette or whatever game I was there at the time and I'd either be up a few thousand or or I'd have nothing for the week but you know either way I was happy enough because I was getting to getting to do what I wanted to You're do chasing with, the high. You know? Yeah, chasing, chasing the high. Chasing the high and then it progressed then alcohol. Um, do you remember uh, the first time you tried cocaine or, or where it came from? Yeah, I actually tried cocaine in uh, Mullingar. I went to America when I was 19, but I tried it once or twice in Mullingar. It didn't really... I was obviously high as a kite, but I didn't really... I never really longed for more of it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was when I went to America then I got a real taste for cocaine and probably um, my addiction kind of heightened as I was able to access more easily yeah. and alcohol alcohol and cocaine because when I was, before I went to America, still only 18, like I kind of had to report to my mother a bit still at that time, you know, yeah. couldn't just head off, you know. But when I came back from America, I was kind of, I was about 21 and I was, fully submersed in my addiction at that time so cocaine and alcohol at that time though I was more of a binger still it wasn't an everyday thing it was kind of four days here maybe get myself together four days here but as I said like I'm 28 now just progressed and got worse and obviously the problems I had my own personal issues that I never dealt with from when I was young they obviously heighten and you know as you get older things get worse you know you start to care about people's opinions more you have more responsibility so everything everything gets more severe so like the paranoia gets more severe you're you know you're like right if I can just get this high I'll be okay but you're not thinking like that that's just nearly a subconscious thing you know like and you're like I'll go for a few pints I'll be grand and like every time I went for a few drinks I, I had the intention of not, you know, going into self-destruct mode, but like, I always ended up 
with a bag or a couple of bags or it always ended up for a few days with me you know there was no I couldn't just go home for some reason it's one of the things just it always went too far you know it could keep the party going and you're obviously not yeah. th- doing this on your own it would obviously have been on, on a wider friends group locally yeah. as well so it, it's a, it's a hu- it was easy to get the access to the drugs oh it is yeah it's very easy but like nobody put anything nobody forced me to do anything um, yeah. like some people not everyone is addicted to cocaine or alcohol but you know I made my own choices you know like a lot of people can it's easy to blame other people now I know younger people maybe 17, 18 can be uh, coerced into stuff but like I was an adult nobody forced anything to me I I need I I needed it like to be honest to survive um, you know what was going on in my own head you know well, you're in the place where I suppose Robbie Lawler was telling us his friends are. They're doing it for fun. You you just wanted to escape reality. Would that be fair to say? That's exactly. That is exactly it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds crazy when you say that, like, to escape reality. But it's just, um, I think addiction, well, I just, you know, I, I'm sober now a good while and I kind of look into it, something I'm interested in and, you know, obviously trying to live a better life. But I look back on it, I think, my addiction probably started from when I was young. Uh, like, you know, I had a lot of abandonment issues and, you know, fear of rejection, trust issues. And um, that's okay now. Like, I can look back. I'm happy with myself now. But, yeah. you know, I used other stuff as a child, like, say, PlayStation, to escape reality and without even knowing, you know. And you obviously, you're looking for something stronger as you get older, you know. And I think that's probably... If um, people can recognise small bit when their kids or whatever are going through stuff like that, maybe to get help for them or to have them try to talk about it even. Do you think about the things you missed in your life as a result of the addiction? Um, I definitely feel like I missed out on a lot of opportunities um, because I had the thing, like I said, I think I mentioned it there, like self-destruct. I just... I. Like, I got back into college a few times because of Gaelic and stuff, and, like, my anxiety wouldn't even let me go in the door, you know, because right. I was just so... It's just Well, like, I went up, but I, like, told everyone where I was from that I was going in every day when I wasn't going in ever because I was probably so worried that if I failed... And, like, that's another part of it. Like, I always had a crutch to fall back on and say, oh, sure, I was drinking then. You know, if something wrong, I always had a... I was never... I never just... I didn't really have... Uh, self-worth to just go and do something for myself I always had to have a, fa- a fallback like oh sure I was drinking or I was parking or I was doing this you know Yeah uh, When you went public with this last year Luke Lachlan uh, for the first time on a big public stage on television so yeah. on what, what kind of reaction have you been getting since then from within the GA community in particular? Very good um, to be honest so I think there was 2022 actually um, I uh, one of the reporters, Sinead Hussey, she just, it wasn't really meant to be the way it was, actually. It just kind of happened. She's like, she found out that I was a year sober the day of that Talton Cup final at Westmead, and she's like, geez, that's kind of amazing, and you could probably help some people. And I was, I, I, was, I didn't really think of it too much, but it's just taken off since then, and a lot of people reaching out to me, like, on social media. But I've been getting a great, uh, great response. Um, the odd time, you know, negative, um, you're always going to have that, like people, you know, with fake profiles, uh, like leaving yeah. nasty comments from time to time. That's another addiction. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm a grown man. Like, I can yeah. see, you know, that's, that's, they have their own problems. People are doing that. Like, you know, but 
like as I said there, social media is great. Like I'm able to help a lot of people just by you know, they see that there's another way about especially because GA is a great community it's a community based and like there's a lot of people struggling with the same sort of stuff. Maybe not to the same extent and some people maybe with worse and worse off situations, but like if you can pay back what you've you know, that's where I'm at, like I'm trying to pay back some of the help that I've got or some of the lessons that I've learned because, as I said, I'm still only 28. There's a lot of younger people kind of looking up to people like me in my situation. And as long as I can kind of help maybe one person just by yeah. sharing some advice or even listening to them. Because, like, I'm not a professional, but, like, you know... But you, but you, we, we hear you speak in confidence and you're in recovery and we wish you well. It'll be three years um, this summer. Yeah, it'll be three no. years in July, yeah. And, no. like, to be honest, it doesn't Congratulations. Even feel like... Yeah, it doesn't even feel like when I think back to some <clears> me <throat> pre... Uh, pre-recovery like that doesn't feel like it was me it actually feels like it was someone else which is obviously a great thing like I'm in a great position and you know blessed really to be honest Uh, listen thanks so much for sharing your story Luke Lachlan we let you go because I know you're working you're working hard and thanks a million for giving us your time Uh, look after yourself thanks a million thanks a million and I'm going to come back to Dr Chris Luke a lot of what um, Luke was talking about there um, Chris very familiar to, to you and your work yeah, I mean, two wonderful contributions. I mean, Robbie basically uh, explaining and, you know, confirming what we people like me have been saying for donkeys, which is that there's an extraordinary uh, high level of, of polysubstance misuse rec- and mostly recreational out there. Uh, and, you know, with the uberization of, of, of drug deals, uh, you can get uh, cocaine in, in any, uh, any, any townland, in any part of, of Ireland, as quick as you can get a pizza. Uh, and uh, with Luke... Um, I mean, for me, one of the one of the great antidotes to addiction is, is trying to get your dopamine hit from caring for other people. It's funny when people switch to stop thinking about themselves uh, to, to to worrying about other people. That you, I think that's part of the transition from addiction because addiction is very much about thinking about your your, your yourself only uh, and worrying about other people. I think is is one of the ways out of addiction. Uh, I'm just looking. We got sent in um, an image from a parent who found this on their child's phone. Uh, it was, it's sent by WhatsApp, Snapchat, Instagram, and so on. So these these are the drug dealers who send lovely graphics uh, to to kids, essentially teenagers, uh, constantly spammed with special offers on drugs. It's called the coffee shop list, and there's a whole list of products, and it kind of goes into the details of of the cost of this. Um, cocaine flake, for example, which is 0.7 grams, a hundred euro. Yeah. Uh, ketamine is uh, one gram of ketamine is sixty euro. Yeah, uh, and so these, these are coming in. They they, they come special, special offers, bank holiday specials, big sporting weekend, even Christmas offers. So the marketing around is very glamorous and very easy to do using something encrypted services like like WhatsApp. Yeah, well, I mean, drug dealing and you know drug smuggling uh, are some of the, the very very biggest industries in the world. They're up there with uh, arms production, oil uh, and tobacco. So you know I, that comes as no surprise. Mm. You have a special worry about the level of cannabis use as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, that cannabis has been particularly normalised, and I worry that people don't think about the perhaps less dramatic uh, complications of, of cannabis consumption. I mean, I, I, I worry terribly about the levels of violence. And of course, the antecedent, the, the 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 thing that leads up to violence, of course, is antisocial behaviour. And I always say that there are three key elements to violence. And you know, I mean, honestly, the violence, the horrific violence that we see, the homicidal violence and the non-homicidal violence that we yeah. see, for example, in the in the recent riots. You know, there there are three key elements. There's the disinhibition, there's impulsivity, and there's paranoia. Those are the three elements which, in my experience, lead to to to, to, to antisocial behaviour and 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 violence. Uh, 
Uh, and of course, the, the five main chemical drivers of, of that uh, trio are alcohol, amphetamines, uh, benzodiazepines or sleeping tablets, cannabis and cocaine. Th- those five agents particularly, they intoxicate, they disinhibit, they create impulsivity. And as we've heard from people like Luke, uh, a paranoia. So that you, you, th- those are the five things we have to un- understand are, are the main drivers of the, 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 the epidemic of antisocial behaviour and, and the consequences thereof. Yeah, talk to us about the psychiatric disorders that are related to cannabis. Well, uh, again, rule of thumb, it said that between 10 and, and I mean, these are global and fairly stable figures from the scientific community on both sides of the Atlantic, all around Europe and so forth. But between 10 and 20% of cannabis users develop what's called a cannabis use disorder, which again, as with the cocaine, is a, is a compulsion to, to keep consuming the drug because uh, there is, uh, the, 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 they want to avoid the, the, the withdrawal sin, uh, syndrome. And if you continue to take uh, cannabis, now we're we're not talking about the odd spliff at a dinner party mm-hmm. uh, or a, 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 at a festival. We're talking about consuming several spliffs every day routinely, particularly among uh, young teenage boys, particularly among young teenage boys in their bedroom on their own. Uh, and you get this uh, kind of classic pattern of you know social withdrawal, which means they're dropped from the football team where previously they were a star. Their uh, exam performance collapses where previously they were getting B's and A's. Uh, they don't seem to want to see any of their, their previous uh, gang of friends. The motivation they, they suddenly out, just they, collapses. They lose motivation yeah. for working, for studying, for, for even going out. Uh, and they only go out to get their, to get their deal. Uh, and if, in, in some circumstances, uh, they develop a schizophrenia. Now, now there, there's said to be a bidirectional relationship between cannabis and schizophrenia. It, we're, we're not sure whether it turbocharges the underlying schizophrenia or whether schizophrenia uh, turbocharges an appetite for ca- cannabis. But nonetheless, yeah. there's, a, there's a huge association. Um, there's a lot of talk about leaving the clubs open until 6am in the morning. Is that, a, is that a fear of yours? No, I mean, that's something that's been talked about. I, I have a particular interest in nightclubs and, night, and, the, and the health harms and, and benefits of, of, of clubbing yeah. uh, in our cities. Uh, and I think if they stagger uh, openings and closings, it might help in terms of avoiding crowds and zone, crowd yeah. control. I'm but, sorry to cut across yeah. you, but we're just out of time yeah, before yeah. we get to an ad break. But Dr. Chris Luke, it's a fascinating topic and thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, look after yourself and keep up that campaign. We have to take a quick break. Now, we had an amazing reaction um, to our programme yesterday about the ubiquity of drugs in Irish life right now, especially among young people, teenagers. Uh, Luke Lachlan, he was the Westmeath GA player, he shared a story about becoming hooked on cocaine and how easy it was to get around Mullingar, nights out, house parties and all the rest of it. But he got help and he's going to be three years sober this summer off everything. He's and uh, he's at the age of just 28, I think he said. And Dr Chris Luke was with us as well. He was talking about the mental health crisis and how it sometimes overlooked the the um, the effect on the in the mental health crisis about the heavy use of cannabis among uh, certain teenagers and the psychiatric issues that are associated with it and the lack of services for kids, even if the parents can somehow convince them to get help. We got this email. I think it's well worth reading out the whole thing. Um, and it's from a, a very concerned mother. Uh, but you'll, you'll get the story. Dear Oliver, I have a young teenage son. In the last year, he has gone from the, being the most beautiful boy who played musical instruments, video games, basically everything a teenage boy does, to a child who has locked himself in his room, too anxious to go anywhere unless it's to get money for vapes, spice and weed. I found a vape recently. It has been an insane whirlwind discovery of horrific terror as each day unfolds. I had the most terrifying crash course in parenting a teenage boy that has shook me to my core. It turns out 
Kids are selling drugs on social media messaging services, which are popular for kids. Older dealer kids are screenshotting the chats that are looking for deals to then threaten the younger ones in case they snitch on them. I, along with other parents, have taken our children's phones. We have forensically gone through the networks of kids who are using and who are dealing. Some teenagers are trying to recruit other teens to sell for them. I know of one teen who overdosed recently, but thankfully survived. My son has been to the doctor, suffering withdrawals. He's currently dealing with the mental health services because he is a moderate to high risk of suicide. His entire life and his love of life has disintegrated over the past eight eight months. Just eight months, imagine. I thought he was just becoming a teenager. I thought I needed to give him space and independence and autonomy over his own life. He was a loving, gentle, kind, affectionate child. He has now become a shadow of himself. He had stopped eating, he had stopped living. A lot of his friends have gone down the same path. So my little boy is now a week off everything, including all the screens other than television, and is now a patient with mental health services who have been amazing. I have a list of all the tech, all the vape shops that sell to underage children. They can get legal weed in the vape shops. Shops. It's causing psychosis in our children and it seems that no one cares. Parents need to be aware that our children are exposed to everything on our phones and uh, we'll keep the name of that uh, mother anonymous. And it took an awful lot for her to get in touch and to write that message to us. And I think it, it puts paid to the notion that the media discussion around drugs right now um, is exaggerated or hysterical. This is real life. And um, we spoke to her off air and she was very shook, but she, she really, really wanted to get this message out there. And uh, we thank you so much for, for, for sharing that story. And we wish you and your little boy well and may stay on the path and get well. 0818-715-925 Oliver Callan on RTE Radio 1 <laughs> Don't worry Oh well, sorry. I'm so uh, so busy here saying hello to our guest Eva Powell that uh, didn't even notice the advert had finished. You're welcome, to the studio. Um, let me get a, a settler because nearly a fifth of the world's population are busy preparing for one of the year's biggest festivals. It's the Lunar New Year, which marks the first new moon of the lunar calendar. So I can say Happy New Year to you, Thank you very Eva much. Powell, is commercial director of the Asia Market in Dublin, and she's here this morning. Um, I can wish you happiness and prosperity. Is that the and good health and good uh, health and forever beauty. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's a, if that's a given uh, but come here the Lunar New Year this is a big deal for you isn't it? It is it? it's the biggest festival in, 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 in Asia like in China so yeah. um, yes absolutely we, we're everybody's like busy preparing either food either getting new clothes and it's all the traditions of like celebrating the Lunar New Year We, were, we are reminded every year of it but I don't think we know very much about it in Ireland even though the, 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 the Chinese community are strong in and around us so it starts on Saturday It'll be a 15 day and it's the year of the dragon. The year of the dragon. And you know, usually the community actually celebrate the like 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 New Year's Eve, something like that. Like we celebrate on the eve of the of the Chinese New Year. Like So, so that's the big year. party, is it? Well that's where you have like your family gathering, you have like food with family and friends, and you know, you can expect like a massive big banquet full of like <laughs> like yes, absolutely. And you know, it's like food is such an integral part of the festival, you know. So um definitely like, you know, you're kind of 
You see, in northern China, we like to um, they like to make dumplings. So you make dumplings like right through the midnight, and you know you're oh, eating right. dumplings, and you know so you'd be expecting to eat dumplings. And then in southern China, what we do, we like to eat like um, puddings. So it's like there's savory and sweet puddings. So like there's like a water chestnut pudding, there's like a white radish pudding, and there's a Chinese New Year pudding. So and that's kind of like so there's kind of different um, depending on where you are. You know, you kind of have different festivities. Like because like in Singapore, my friends will have like a prosperity toss. So it's like um, kind of like toss. yes, yes. So like they do like a salad, and you know you you gather around the table, and then everybody says something like a blessing, and then you toss it in the air, like you know. That, <laughs> yeah, yes, it, it is. It disastrous. is. No. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. I mean, it could be a bit imagine. messy, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of amazing. Um, tell me about the red envelopes. Yes. This will be the um, So that is a real big tradition. So like okay. you have these really lovely like red envelopes and they're really decorative and there's like gold designs on them and there's a blessing on them. And then um, basically like your parents, like older people will give them to younger people. So like my parents would give them to me. I would give them to my kids. So, and you know, you give them to like friends and family as well. So like, but usually it's the older generation that give it to the younger generation so you can become very wealthy during the uh, Lunar New Year <laughs> Red envelopes yeah, filled so with money you, Yes okay. absolutely yeah so they usually give, come in pairs so then like you know you, you, when when someone hands you a red packet you would usually wish them something so it's like oh wishing you good health wishing you you know oh, yeah, and yeah. so that's how it, it, the, it's like so they're giving you lucky money for the New Year It's all around luck and fortune Absolutely. So it's like a, a, a first Holy Communion, but you have to do it every year. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this idea. Uh, so tell us what sort of celebrations you're going to have. The Asia Market is on Cable Street in Dublin and also Drury Street. So yes, so we are kicking off the festivities this Sunday with the Family Fun Street Festival. Oh, right. And it's going to be on Drury Street and Cable Street. We're organising it in collaboration with Dublin Town. And so there's going to be, we're bringing in a performance group from Beijing and Chengdu. And in a, that group, there's going to be like a sugar, Chinese sugar painting artist. So this is really interesting. It's like yeah. it's like melted sugar. And then they make really intricate, like um, a design, like an animal design or flower design. And they have it on like a stick. And so then you can carry it around. And then it's edible as well. We also have this like Sichuan face changing opera. So it's a dancer with lots of like face masks. And they're changing it in very quick succession. Right, so it's kind of yeah. mesmerizing because you're kind of wondering, how are they changing it so quickly? <laughs> you know, and we also have a 10 meter long like dragon that's going to be performing on the street. How so, cool is it to have the year of the dragon? Oh, that's it. That's sometimes what we have to take. Year of the rat know. sometimes. And you go, I know, not, but you can still celebrate with the dragon, couldn't you? The dragon is fantastic. <laughs> but we of. also have like on, we're bringing in a troupe from um, Inner Mongolia and they're going to be a dance and singing group and they're going to be performing in the Pavilion Theatre on the 16th. And then we're also ending the festival. It's on the 24th and 25th with, it's a lantern festival. So we're ending it with like the Feast of Food Trucks. So we're going to have food trucks at our Ballymount location and there's going to be 10 plus food trucks and we're going to have Lots and lots of food. Ten food trucks. Oh, Plus, that, yeah, sort of... and it's going to be. We have we have built this place where there's loads of lanterns next to oh. our buildings, so it's going to be kind of like dining under the lanterns. <laughs> it sounds it sounds deadly, and, and it always happens at a nice time of the year, doesn't it? It's always either late January, early February, because yeah. it's the lunar calendar. Calendar, so it okay. follows the lunar calendar. So I guess it's different date uh, yeah. every year, but the, yeah, around this time. Calendar, Let's fingers crossed for good weather. Yeah, well, I'm, I was looking at it actually. I think it is due to somewhat ease off towards Sunday, Hopefully, but yeah. um, if only the 
the dragon could um, organise the weather for us would be fine. Um, Eva Power, you're the commercial director of Asia Market yes. in Dublin. So it's one of the oldest Asian food shops I gather in Ireland. Yeah, it was set up in 1981, so yeah. 40 odd years ago. And we started on a very small street, well, no, very small um, premises on Drury Street. And with it's just been amazing with um, the taste buds in Ireland where, you know, everybody's getting to know more Asian food. And so we've managed to grow and grow. And like, so we, have, we moved to like a bigger premises on Drury Street. And um, and then we've expanded out to Ballymount as well with a retail store. So we have two retail stores. But we also actually supply to a lot of restaurants and takeaways around the world, oh, around Ireland. And is yeah. that how it began? It was hosting. Your parents set it up, I believe. Yes, my parents set it up. And my mom at that time was working uh, like in the store. And then my dad would be doing deliveries. So, right. Yeah. So, and that's you effectively grew up uh, uh, by the till, more I or less. Did, did yes, underneath the till, like <laughs> with my little uh, den, and popping out to say hi to all the customers. You mean literally? A literally really? under the till, because I guess we were open seven days a week. You know. Yeah. And so I was there like permanently all the time with my mum, my, with my mum and dad. Yeah. And what did you learn under the till? Well, do you know what? My mom, my mom was really like, she had lots of languages. She learned languages from the customers that would come in. So like, you know, I would hear her like tell people, okay, this is like two euro fifty or 10 euros like in different languages. So I'd be there, you know, listening to her and what she would be doing and chatting to the customers, you know, and telling them and introducing kind of Asian food to the customers. Because like people coming in, they'd be like, you know, what are these ingredients used for? You know, so um, it was kind of introducing Asian food in, in the, early 80s you know yeah it's, a, it's hard to believe that it's that recent that um, Chinese food has become popular in Ireland isn't it it's, yeah. it's the 80s Yes, I mean, like it started out with like, like all, I mean, there's almost like a Chinese takeaway, like on every. I say literally every, every parish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that the Irish Chinese food is something that I really love as well. Um, That's good it, to it hear. Is, okay, it yes. is. You know, even if I travel, you know, you can travel to China, you can get the authentic food. Yeah. But I actually do miss the Irish Chinese food. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like, yeah, I mean, like one of my like my, my favorite dish, like the sweet and sour, or the black bean. You know, definitely, and it's different. You know, from is it does it exist in China? Well, in Hong Kong, it's because like the first immigrants uh, to Ireland, Chinese people would be from Hong Kong and that kind of southern part of China. Okay. And so that, that's where the whole, the sweet and sour and the black bean and that, that you, you could get, yeah, you would have that. The Western in, influence, they sort of had to make something, was it? Yeah, well, it's more, the, the, the Western is more, I guess the dishes are more saucy. The, we like our sauce, so it's more saucy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you know, in 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 Asia, it's not as like not not much like sauce. Like, <laughs> we just like pour it on there. <laughs> just make it Irish. This is the Irish Chinese. Uh, that's, uh, is there anything else we eat in, in an Irish Chinese? Uh, restaurant or takeaway that that isn't typically Chinese isn't typically probably the spice bag. Oh, that's that was the spice yeah. bag. I mean, like the spice <laughs> bag. That that recent. is very like Irish Chinese. Like whenever I ask my my Asian friends, have you had a spice bag? A lot of them say no, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like you know, it's like how do you explain it? I know. <laughs> that is definitely an Irish Chinese dish. Yeah, there's a lot of sugar in there, isn't there as well? Tasty. Um, you, you were an only child then, growing up in, under the till in the shop, as, as you put it, um, but you were extremely well educated, very bright, obviously, when, when you... <laughs> Well, you did. You you found yourself at Trinity College. Yes, I did find myself and, in Trinity um, College, and then found myself um, in Hong Kong. Uh, worked there for eight years. Was it your parents' idea, or did you say, "I know I want to go back to where where you came from"? 
No, I mean, I remember, I mean, my parents would bring me back to Hong Kong when I was younger. And I always remember being intrigued by Hong Kong. I mm. loved the skyline and I loved the people there. So when I graduated, I was just fascinated and I was like, yes, I want to move over there and just start work there and see how I get on. So. Cut, cut your teeth in business because that was the family tradition, <laughs> I suppose, is it? Was that well, the, the idea? thing is, I, I guess it was it was always good to kind of leave, leave the family business. Like, well, I haven't, I worked there when I was younger, but I mean, it was good to kind of get the experience outside, you know. Hmm. But it, I guess it was in a whole different area. I mean, it was in finance, you know. How did they receive you in Hong Kong as an Irish person uh, going over to Hong Kong? Were you like an Irish-American coming to live like they, they, At Ireland? that time, I mean, there was a lot of expats in, in, in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, it was nice that, you know, there was like an Irish, Irish Chinese community, an Irish community. And like in the bank that I worked for, which was World Bank of Scotland, they, I mean, there were a lot of expats in, in, in that bank. So, you know, I think culturally it was, it was good. Like, I, like daytime, it was like working, working in like, working in Ireland, like where everybody was non- Asian and then when you walked out of the bank it was like oh wow like in Hong Kong like everybody's in Asia now <laughs> you know and you went all the way over there to the bank to discover your boss in Hong Kong was also Irish <laughs> Monaghan I know what amazing the Monaghan fella in the bank in Hong Kong very good uh, and um, could they tell your accent because you're obviously fluent in Cantonese or Mandarin I'm fluent in both, but I was um, I initially just fluent in Cantonese, and I picked up Mandarin when I was um, studying in the UK, doing my masters, and then. Um, but I mean, my English. I think it was quite difficult for people to pick up where I was from. Yeah, I don't have a. I don't know what accent do I have. <laughs> they were like mid Atlantic. That's what they they placed me as. And when I was trying to think, like, I am from Ireland. They were like England. Oh, no, 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 I'm from Ireland, and I don't know. Like so, I was, we the whole country doesn't even register. <laughs> It's beside England and then they'll understand. (laughs) An island. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And were your parents, was it important to them that you spoke Cantonese? Yes, I mean, my par- my dad especially made sure that I spoke Cantonese at home. And so mm. I remember when I was younger, he would say, if you wanted like an ice cream, you'd have to say it in Cantonese or Chinese oh, before I could even get it. that's a great trick. So yes. that is, okay. so I was like, yep, I can give it to you, but you have to say it in Chinese. And so that's how, I guess, I spoke Chinese at home. And then when I went to school, I just spoke English. Big and motivation <laughs> for a child to... Um... To get to, to, to speak the language, yeah, yeah we should I know. try that with the Irish language as well. <laughs> uh, and you have children now, so you I have. Do. What are they? Are they third generation? Then is that? What, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. So are I you have, as strict on the, on keeping the the Chinese languages alive at home? I try to, yeah. I mean, so my, I have a son and a daughter, and I try to. I speak Cantonese and Chinese to them. Um, their daddy is uh, Western, so he's speaking English. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I try to speak as much as I can, and try. And then my my parents, when they come visit, they'll you know speak Cantonese to them. It's but the husband you need to train. Uh, no treats <laughs> I have, until I have, he can I have speak. to be training him too. Very good. Okay. Uh, there's already text coming in. Someone says they were born in the year of the rooster. Yes. Uh, which is not half as cool as a dragon is what this texter says. I mean the rooster seems to be... Oh. Every, every year has a uh, is good and what, as yeah. what year is your... Oh, what year? You're not a dragon baby. No, I'm not a dragon baby. <laughs> A rooster or one of the, no? Is it not that important? <laughs> no, okay, no, 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 no. I'm just thinking because um, you know, Land usually my feet in this one. I feel well. The thing I'll, I'll explain it to you because usually okay. when okay when um, it's it's quite secretive to be asking an Asian lady their age. Right? Oh, and oh, because and the year will the correspond year will to tell you oh, right. what I, year I, you're I, I apologize. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on. 
Uh, people are also pointing out here Vietnamese, other cultures also celebrate the Lunar Absolutely. New Year, which is true. And of course, the Asian market serves its pan Asian food, isn't it? Absolutely. So, yeah, we have also, besides, like uh, in Korea, we have Korean food, we have Vietnamese food, we have all, all types of Asian food. I noticed Korean food uh, is having a moment in Ireland the last two or three years. Absolutely. Is that, um, has been growing in popularity so How is that much. happening? Yeah, I mean, actually. About five years ago, I remember it wasn't as popular and not many people knew about it, no. but we actually started to um, import more kind of kimchi and seaweed and, you know, and we were doing kind of like tastings within the store uh, every weekend. And we were working with, you know, um, the Korean government to kind of like, um, you know, introduce more Korean food in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I can say like, you know, the Korean food has gone from like, nobody really knowing about kimchi to like a meter of full of shelf space in our supermarket full of kimchi. <laughs> really? Literally, yes. So you're you're kind of saying that it's the Pau family. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've set the trend. Well, the thing is, you, you, you kind of can see how you can kind of introduce new foods to people by, I think tasting is a real good way, you know. So you introduce right. tastings in the, in, in the supermarket and then they start, to, you can kind of see, okay, well, people are really liking this and then enjoying the food and then you just kind of increase it and introduce more of that of, of the Korean flavors, you know. Yeah, it's, incredible. it's I mean, it's really um, it's modernized us as well, hasn't it? Well, also, also, I mean, there's been really good Korean restaurants that have been opening up as well. So mm-hmm. that's that has added to the whole kind of Korean trend and food. Is business very good at the moment? The Asian market. It is. It's not a rude question. No, absolutely not. I'm terrified now. <laughs> No, I mean, like, yes, I mean, like, where we are doing, I guess we have retail and then we have our wholesale parts. So, like, you know, um, hopefully, I think it is difficult for restaurants at the moment with all the increased costs, yes, you know. Yeah. So um, we're hoping, you know, that, you know. That well, we as can, a supermarket, the, the Irish are the keen down Drury yes. Street and Cape Street. Well, the, I think when people are traveling, you know, and they're coming back and they're looking That's for right. authentic ingredients. So they want to make their Thai curry paste. They want to be making with like authentic ingredients. So I guess we, we would fill that gap. There's a nice message here. It says, I remember the first Asia market in Drury Street. This is yes. your, your, your parent, your parents, uh, Howard and Helen. is Howard and Helen, yes. I had a stall dealing in art prints nearby in Georgia Street Arcade. Of course, I met and welcomed Albert and Howard. Wow. We'd arrived from Hong Kong, wished them both good luck. Delighted they progressed. The modern Asia market is superb outlet for lovers of Chinese ingredients and other spices. That's from Tom. Oh, it's, it's, it's so nice to get the memory of <laughs> that whole family tradition that is still alive and well. And uh, is is uh, so the party is Cable Street, Drury Street uh, this Sunday, and then we have the Feast of Food Trucks on the twenty fourth, and then the like uh, in a Mongolian group in the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, and all details can be found on asiamarket.ie. Asiamarket.ie. Well, I want to wish you happiness, prosperity, good health. Gong Hei Fat Choi. Gong Hei Fat Choi. Thank you very much to you. Thank you very much, Eva Pao. Good morning to you and happy New Year. You've made it to the end of the podcast. Well done and thank you all. Now stay tuned for next week on the show when we welcome the return of Aslan. The lads are unveiling their brand new lead singer after the sad death of Christy Dignam last year. But he's not going to be replaced. There's a whole new era for the band about to begin as they welcome Lee Tompkins to front the group and are preparing to go on an Irish tour this spring. That's on Monday. So chat to you then. Keep in touch all through the weekend. Oliver at rte.ie. Cheers. Cheers.